Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Russell Guyver. This will in fact be the final episode of the calendar year, 2021, and it's on the subject of a great one-all draw away at Chelsea, which is a good way to end it, I'm sure you'll agree. We got our first ever goal at Stamford Bridge in a competitive match, and we've got a, well, a rare draw, albeit we did that last season as well, uh, which was an excellent result from a losing position with yet another late equal. What we've got coming up for you here is a two-parter. In part one, it is our match day special, your traditional format, as you may have got used to it by now. It's some of the usual suspects, a couple of newbies added into the equation with a load of pre-match, some match going um, in the stadium uh, audio as well, and a little bit of immediate after-the-match reaction as well. A bit of atmosphere to uh, tickle your taste buds. Also, um, we, what we didn't have time to do was to um, do much analysis in detail down the pub afterwards because getting to the pub, getting served, the noise in the pub was quite really echoey. So we didn't do any post-match analysis. So what I'll be doing in part two is flying solo to go into more detail on that and to describe some of the, uh, well, the, the finer aspects of what was an excellent result. Also in part two, we will go on to discuss the Everton game coming up on the 2nd of January as a preview and just a few reflections on the year that's just finished, um, which is, of course, the end of our second year of doing the podcast as well. So all that coming up, but let's start off with our match day special. You can swear all you want, Duncan. It's match day. It's Chelsea away. We're in the White Horse, the Stony Pony, the Sloney Pony. So many places you can call it. We've had only one or two drinks, haven't we, Duncan? Uh, we've had about five or six. Five or six, says Charlie. I'll take that as a one. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and we're on the way to the game. We're about to go for a stroll down Stamford Bridge Way, hoping to get our first goal, hoping to get our first win at Stamford Bridge. We have had a win before against Chelsea at home, FA Cup, 89 and a half years ago, or something like that. Are we going to do it again? Duncan, to you first. Um, I'm going to... I, I know I'm very ambivalent on these uh, on these calls, but I, yeah, I'm going to say, fuck it, we're going to win. <laughs> I love it when the beer talks. <laughs> well, we, we, we deserved to win last, last time in April, this nil. year. It's nil-nil. We should have, we should have won. Yeah, so. Welbeck hit the post, didn't he? I forgot about that. Yeah. It was um, an amazing game, and I really do think that um, I think they've got some issues with their squad today. So let's just hope that we can nick it one nil to the Albion. Come on, come on, Charlie! Are you so confident as that? One nil to the Albion? No. <laughs> what do you reckon? <laughs> what do you reckon? I take a score draw. Yeah, because that would be another decent point. And it will be our first ever goal at Stamford Bridge, wouldn't it? Indeed, absolutely. 
what are our main dangers here? What are we looking for? Is it Jorginho's really irritating penalty run-up shit? Is it Lukaku? We don't have to worry about Chilwell, at least, do we? But who else are we worried about? Jorginho's penalties. He loves a penalty. We're the kind of team that will also give Tino Werner a goal out of nowhere. So we'll wait and see. Yep. This is a very multicultural uh, away day. We're going to hopefully chat to a Bulgarian and an Afghanistani on this podcast. We'll see if we can get them involved in a minute. More on that as it happens. In the meantime, we've got Dave. Dave from Southampton away. You might remember him from the, from the match day special. Dave is back with us here in the, uh, the capital. He's looking at the lineup. What have we got, Dave? March is in. Uh, Sanchez McC- McAllister's a start him. Sanchez in goal it's a good team actually it's not bad it's not a right. bad team yeah. at all but right. on the bench then Basuma start as that to the bench the bench ain't bad well Beck Duffy so on the bench what's, what's the 11 what's the 11 Sanchez Lamberti Kukurella Bissouma Mapai McAllister Lalana Moda March Bird and Veltman oh they trip off that's the top that's, that's a win that's a win <laughs> Dave, it's great to have you back on. Good to be back. Last time I went to a game live was Southampton away, and you were there. I was. Two in a row. Are you our lucky talisman? Yes. Are we going to win instead of draw this time? No. <laughs> Are we going to draw gonna instead draw, of... Score, draw. Like Charlie said, score, draw. A celebrate, a meaningful goal at Stamford Bridge would be nice. I'll take a score. I'll take it now. Score, draw would be great. That would be brilliant. It's been a good night so far. We've been here since four or five o'clock. We've had a really nice bit of food at the uh, the Sloney Pony. Uh, some great beers. They've got Harvey's on here as well, though we didn't have that tonight. Um, and we, we, we're a few to the good, and we're looking forward to a great game. You're in the west lower. Uh, you're in the lower upper. Upper, upper. We're the upper boys. I'm Annoying. the lower. I'm the lower boy. I'm in the lower end, me myself. <laughs> Andy, very quickly a word from you, sir. Pre-match. How are you feeling about, firstly, having seen the Albion win, unlike all of us who weren't at the Brentford game, you're feeling a bit smug about that, no doubt. Uh, first win since September. Uh, but more importantly, how are you feeling about tonight? Well, in, in, in terms of Brentford, uh, it was about time. I'm, I'm not really surprised. I wasn't, I wasn't worried beforehand. I, I know that there are people associated with the Brighton Rock podcast <laughs> I've been getting a little bit nervous. <laughs> Peter. I wasn't one of them. In terms of tonight, I'm not expecting anything. Um, so anything that comes of it is a bonus. Uh, we, we're literally at the point where the lineup's been announced and we're trying to digest it. Um, hasn't updated on my phone yet, so I, I still can't quite yeah. work out. Well, so. It's a strong lineup from my point of view. Chelsea, it's, it's a who knows thing. I'm very pleased Chilwell's not involved. He's just getting a lot of goals, isn't he? Well, Chilwell's not going to be involved for an awful long time. Indeed, indeed. Um, but I, I think the key thing tonight is that we're playing Chelsea. We uh, um, we played we played Brentford three days ago. We're playing Everton in three or four days. You know, it's about managing the squad. Uh, uh, managing, managing those three games collectively. Yeah, and we have we have had the grand total of two points in our history. I think this is right. Two points in our history from the away days at Chelsea and Everton. <laughs> that doesn't work well, does it? We've managed to get one at Everton. Uh, no, collectively between the two, namely Chelsea away. I think we've drawn twice, I think. I think that's right. What? In the last five seasons? No, in general, in history. It's something like that, anyway. It's a terrible record. However, uh, speaking of records, uh, Tarek Lamptey is celebrating two years with the Albion today, this very day. Could this be the day where he makes his mark against his old team? And if he does, would he, would he celebrate or not? And if he doesn't, would you be irritated with that? I, I wouldn't be remotely irritated. Um, <laughs> we'll be tonight, too busy celebrating. Tonight will not be the na- night that he makes his mark because Agreed. he constantly makes his mark. <laughs> yeah. um, like it. 
and he is the most delightful footballer that we can hope to have. Love him. He was probably the least remarkable in the Brentford game, ironically. However, overall, he's but, been a welcome re-addition, hasn't he? But uh, he, he was almost like manager. That was one of the first 90 minutes he'd played. Uh, we played a back four, and he was playing at a right back, which doesn't suit his strengths no. completely. But, you know, we were strong down our right side. They, they didn't attack us successfully down, down that side. Um, and that's in May Park down to the brilliance of Tarot Lampton. Right, we're just outside the pub, so I can get a word with Simon and his mate Vasil. Is that right? Yep. 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 So Simon, first of all, you've been on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albion fan, for sports interactive, football manager, all that stuff. You might have remembered the episode before. If you don't, it doesn't matter. You are <laughs> friend of the show, brother of Rich, who's also been on the show. Uh, up here for the, for the night. What do you reckon tonight? Are we going to get a result here? I'm feeling weirdly confident. I've got no logic or reason behind that. No. It's probably... So it's an Albion fan with beers inside you then, yeah? Yeah. Next to where we were. Yeah, there's a bit of a white coat issue there. Are you, are you panicking maybe over? Anyway, sorry, back to you, Simon. It's, it's probably after the last game and winning the last game and you get that weird sense of confidence. I always find that. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like with you a result here, you know, we always lose here. I feel like... Can we get a inevitable. goal at least? Yeah, why not? I've, you know... Dave, I know, but we've got our injuries and COVID issues, but so have they, and I feel like... Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? I, I feel reasonably, reasonably positive that we could do something. Yeah, and you brought along with you your ex-housemate, ex-housemate, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, who is uh, also wearing a blue and white scarf for the evening. I like that. That's very good. Vasil, you're Bulgarian, I understand. Yeah, is that correct. right? Yeah. Yep, yep, that's correct. And you're coming along. Are you a fully indoctrinated Albion fan yet? I am. I've been uh, Albion fan yes. for, for six years now. Six uh, years? I, I've been to the championship game, so I'm not like only Premier, Premier League fan. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Proper fan, yeah. Proper You've league. suffered as well. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Suffering's good. <laughs> this is going to be quite noisy because we haven't got a cover on the mic yet. We, in fact, we don't have a mic. Uh, but it's going to sound a bit blowy. But very quickly, though, uh, your thoughts on... Have you been to any Albion away games? Oh, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been to quite quite, quite few. Uh, I have a very good feeling about tonight. It's, it's uh, the game yeah. after Christmas. Anything can happen. I think we're going to get some points. Keep talking. This is great. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, brilliant. And you've been to Albion games before, so you know what it's like. Good atmosphere. I love it. I love it so much. And I enjoy every game I've been to. I... Actually, I haven't seen Albion win, but I enjoyed every game I've been so far. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Brilliant. Hang on, you said you've not seen us win. Well, it's about time we change that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And why not? There's no better place than here. Chelsea, why not? Why not? And also, you were in Enfield, so that's how you know Simon, yeah. which is where I live at the moment. So, all good, all good. Anyway, brilliant. Thanks, guys. Let's hope for the best. Might see you after the match. Who knows? And so the journey to the Stamford Bridge Stadium has begun from the pub and I'm now joined by two of the people I said I would try and get on. The other three are still in the pub so we're not getting them. However, we've got with us Karen and we've got Graham who some keen-eyed listeners, or is that keen-eared listeners, will remember from a, I think it was a Palace pre-match pub we did at the Gladstone last, Arms last, yeah. some time ago. Last one before lockdown. That's right, yeah. So welcome back to Graham and welcome to his other half, Karen. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome so, to the show. Thank so, you, Russell. guys, we've had a great night in the pub. We're now going to probably have it all spoiled by the football. But what are your views on the game? Do you think we can win it? How the, how's the game going to go? And how do you think the season has been going in general? To be honest... That's <laughs> the more case off in the background kick-off. Yeah. We don't even know who those guys are. Right. So, I think... I said to Graham, actually, after the Brentford game... This is an amazing season, you know, where we are. We top off nearly every we week, aren't we? Top every week. We dropped out for a week, but we're back up again. Yeah, we had a holiday, that was all. And we've never, we've never had it so good. Exactly. So, um, People are moaning about this. So, this is brilliant. <laughs> so I get, I get, I get the whole kind of draw, 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 the odd loss going in there as well. You know, I get that. I get why people yeah. are a little... 
despondent because everyone who who doesn't want to see their team win who doesn't want that elation <laughs> at the end of 90 <laughs> plus minutes but we are doing okay so yeah. let's you know let's believe let's believe this evening even though Chelsea have put out an amazing team <laughs> <laughs> despite their apparent despite problems despite their apparent <laughs> we're doing so yeah, yeah. yeah exactly well, well said Karen but do you, do you go along with that Graham what do you think uh, look it's been a fantastic season. It's been, uh, I think, basically a lot. As an away fan, you've had a lot more to cheer about. I think if you just go into, uh, you know, the, oh yes, just know, a the, bit, yeah, yeah, you know, because you know, we, we, you know, last minute equalisers, Palace, amazing. West Ham, amazing. 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 We were at Southampton, but you, you know, that was eight, amazing. That was I came <laughs> <from> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Imagine that. Twenty-five minutes to sing the wall face song, which you've just heard earlier. Yeah. Anyway, go on, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah, those are special moments. You know, coming back from two 0 down at Anfield. Uh, yeah, I'm saying Liverpool, just, uh, amazing. Not too bad. So, so I think you know, I think some. Yeah, I was at the Leeds game when you know when there was some booze, and it was disappointed. You know, as frustrated as the, the game was. But yeah, you look at the points we've got. Look at those moments, especially away from home. Yeah, you, know, you can't be disappointed. Exactly, and you mentioned Wakefield. Uh, sorry, Leeds. In case anyone doesn't know, you're not from Leeds. You are from Wakefield. Well said, Ross. Uh, Singles over Wakefield. Yeah. Massive fan base. <laughs> in case anyone is wondering why someone with a Wakefield accent is an Albion fan, just to quickly explain for anyone that didn't hear, hear our earlier episode on the subject, over to you quickly, there, Graham. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, born in uh, born in Brighton dad's a Brighton fan that's, that's, and that's it yeah grew up in Wakefield but yeah. yeah so you and your brother Neil both have uh, Yorkshire accents to bet it bluntly seagulls of, seagulls of Yorkshire Yorkshire seagulls <laughs> seagulls over Yorkshire <laughs> yeah and, and why not and we're chatting to Dave from Southampton who is in fact from Harrogate originally but again his dad I think it's his dad was a Brighton fan so you know it happens it happens yeah it's a small country isn't it really yeah but there we go so yeah in terms of today who knows how it goes however it's been a trip I've been enjoying this season I know you guys have Definitely. it's great isn't it yeah it's we are great. having these are the pig days whatever happens tonight in other games this season we've been top half most of the season a whole half season being in the top half of the best division in the country one if not the best divisions in Europe that's not too bad going is it really it's not too shabby (laughs) let's see how it goes anyway fingers crossed I still think we'll probably lose but we might get a draw we could even get a win who exactly. knows? Who Sorry, knows? Russell, just, just getting across this park will be great. Will, will be a result. <laughs> no, we're strolling along, following people. We've no idea where we're, no idea yeah. where we're going. No idea where we're going. I can't see a stadium anywhere. <laughs> We're in the stadium, it's about to kick off. Are we going to win? Yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. 100%. First yes. goal, first win. First oh, goal. Yeah. One goal here. That's all we need. 1 0. There we go. Terry Lamptey's 200th. Um, no, 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 no. No, no. Let's start that again. Terry Lamptey's two year anniversary signing for us what against this old club. We've never scored here, we've never won here. It's going to happen, isn't it? And Lamptey's going to score it. Excellent signing. Brilliant. Um, yeah, why not? I saw him, uh, saw him warming up and he missed every single strike. So that, <laughs> so that means he's going to score. Vorpe was on fire in the warm-up, so he's well, not going to he's score. He's definitely not going to score. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> shit,
Rhys James. James takes the corner and, yeah. and we say, you're just a shit Tarek Rhys um, James is going off very, very, very gingerly indeed. Chelsea have got corner. Uh, yeah, oh, this is sub. They're making a sub as well. They're making a sub. And uh, nil-nil. Even game, really. Agreed? Um, I wouldn't say even, no. They've, they've been <laughs> a lot in our heart. Had quite a good shot. Safe hit the post. Um, I really do. Yeah, but apart from that. <laughs> apart from that, yeah. Well, I mean, I think even in the sense it's we, still nil-nil. We, uh, absolutely. We just need to weather this storm. They're at home. Yeah. They're strong in the first 20 minutes. Speaking of which, here comes corner. the corner. Here comes the corner. And they've scored. And there you go. <laughs> it's but. not an even game anymore. Right, we looked at it. More pain seemed to be struck in a build-up. They've given the goal, but more was hit in the build-up, wasn't he? Ooh. Yes. What's it, Lukaku? Can't quite tell. Ooh. They've actually shown it on the screens, which is unusual, but I didn't really see it properly. Do you see it, Andy? Well, Andy reckons not a foul. Well, we'll have to look at that later. I'm being partisan and booing. It's an outrage. <laughs> All the way round, it's 1 0 to Chelsea at the moment. This is the Emirates. This is the Emirates. This is the Emirates. This is the Emirates. Substitutions. Right. Sunken. Here we go. Three quarter away mark. Halfway through the second half, we've dominated this half, haven't we? They've just brought on Kante in the 67 minutes to shore the game up. Because they're still 1-0 up, but we've been all over them, haven't we? We've been on top of them, we've been bossing the midfield, that's been the issue for them. That's probably a pretty good move for their, their side of it. We've just, before that, had Lamptey come off and Wepu's come on, hasn't he? So, what do you, what do you make of all that? Uh, I would have loved to have scored a goal <laughs> because we've had several chances. Yeah. Perhaps should have got one of them. Predictions um, now 2-0. Oh, well, I just said to you before they turned it on, the, yeah. yeah, they're going to win 2-0 now, aren't they? Of course. Because we've been absolutely dominating. Yeah, we, we've been brilliant, but we haven't scored when we probably should have done. So that, that's yeah. probably a key issue. But it's a great watch. Yeah, it's a great match. Great match. Good game. Chelsea fans are throwing the ball back into the stand, throw the back. Oh, they hilarious. Had the time on. Had the time on. Still gonna score. What a bunch of pricks. They'd rather have the ball off the pitch than on the pitch because they know we're gonna score. Because we're the better team. <laughs> Obviously, that's what they're I must frightened think. of. Our scoring.
away from home in injury time over and over again basically just turn up for the last five minutes for our matches I don't even know who scored who scored that it's Welbeck who Welbeck Welbeck was Welbeck edit that out if I'm wrong they're singing them all face off oh Boy, Danny boy. Beautiful. Right. Three three and three quarter minutes out of four in injury time. Fucking hell, we're so close to about Chelsea twats in the home end to our right we're throwing the ball back behind them above them into the tier above into the tier above back down back up they were trying to time waste and I shouted out you'll be sorry later when we score I didn't really think we would but we did yeah, of course we did Danny, time. Danny Welbeck Danny 91st well minute Danny Welbeck Danny Welbeck
London, another 1-0 trading scenario, another late equaliser. Palace, uh, West Ham and Chelsea. And we can always pop to the coast for a bit of Southampton as well. And then Brentford, the late, the late, late winner of Brentford. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck. So you heard there from myself, Russell, from the usual suspects, Duncan Lees, Andy Knott, also Charlie Gresty, a very little bit of Courtney Gresty, we had Alison Nicole, we had Alison's friend Ahmed just briefly spoken about as the lucky charm guy who went to the Brentford home game and the Chelsea away game, his first two Albion matches, not bad. We heard from Simon and his Bulgarian friend Vasil, that's Simon Tipple and Vasil, uh, both on as well. And from Karen and Graham are Croydon-based seagulls. 
And not forgetting, of course, Dave from the Southampton area, from Hampshire, who was at his second successive away drawing match. He was at the Southampton game, which actually was my last game as well. So we, we both shared some great recent games for the uh, for watching the Albion. So, yeah, all of those people were able to enjoy a good night out. Uh, we had a great time down at the White Horse Pub before the game. The match itself was entertaining. I think it was uh, there was plenty of incident. There was lots of forward and backwards going on, and I think we matched them every bit of the way. Now, in the post-match, Thomas Tuchel has been pretty graceless in his response. Admittedly, it was raw just after the game. They have had an annoying schedule and they have had some injuries. They also saw, coming off in the first half, Rhys James and Christensen went off as well. So they had to readjust in-match. So not easy. He felt that the referee had made the wrong decision in not awarding a penalty for a supposed foul on Pulisic by Veltman, which clearly showed that uh, Pudisic was already on the way down. There is a contact after he starts falling, and it was deemed by the referee and by VAR, presumably, um, that it wasn't a penalty. Um, it, that was the way it was given. Um, I agree with that decision. He clearly doesn't. I also agree with the decision to give a free kick to us when Mason Mount fouled, I think it was Feldman actually again, um, and then quickly kicked the ball in from range past the goalkeeper. Uh, the whistle had already blown, though to be honest, at that point. So it wasn't necessarily going to be a goal, even if it was waved on. However, I don't think it was the wrong decision. It looked like a foul. Um, Tuchel's criticism of it was that he could have let the play unfold. And if it ended up in a goal, he could then you could then have a look at VAR from there. Well, quite frankly, I think if he, the referee's convinced enough it's the right decision, then fair play. Now, on Ref Watch on Sky, that's the impression that Dermot Gallagher had. So he, he thought on first glance it might have been a foul, and he might have given it, but um, in the end he said the referee thought it was a foul, and he did give it, and it was the right decision. Protocol was followed, no issue there for him. However, why do we have Dermot Gallagher on when all he's going to do is reiterate and become yet another version of the referees, associate, the referees' union, basically backing up what the referees have said? He thought it probably was a penalty, um, he wouldn't say definitely, but he was giving implication that there was a penalty there, but clearly there wasn't. It's not a penalty under any circumstances. Tuchel and him and anyone else that think it was is delusional. There is contact, but after he starts falling, that hasn't affected his run. It's not a penalty, simple as that. As for the other controversial incident in the game, which was the goal uh, that led to the goal, um, I was talking in the uh, the match day special about how I couldn't really see it, even though they did show it on the screens, interestingly. However, couldn't really see whether it was going to be a, uh, a foul or not. Basically, Morpé was half-marking Lukaku. He was behind him. He was sort of holding on to him slightly. Lukaku appears to have made the first move and does appear to make some kind of contact with Morpé. Morpé then, sort of stumbling forward just in behind Lukaku, then goes to the ground, holding his face... Lukaku is free to then head the ball in to, or to score the goal. And um, it's looked at, but it's not deemed to be the wrong decision to give the goal. The goal stood. Um, I don't think it, there's enough in that, really, to give it as a foul, personally. But it does look like there's some kind of contact there, which is, uh, I think make it, makes it a lot more contentious than other people might have you believe. However, I think in the end, I don't have any major complaints with that, to be honest. Um, but anyway, on to the game in more general terms. Um, first of all, it's a one-all draw away at Chelsea. That's always a great result. Very rarely have we got a draw there at all. That was the first time we've ever scored a goal there in a competitive game. So that was a fantastic achievement. And Danny Welbeck, you will go down in history for that. In terms of the stats, looking at them, I mean, I said we gave as good as we got. I think we had the better of it. I think we edged them slightly. We certainly matched them. That's without any shadow of a doubt. And that, despite what Tuchel said in his post-match interview, is borne out in the statistics. We had 52% possession. This is against the European champions. This is against one of the title contenders, one of the best teams, one of the most expensively assembled teams in world football. We had 52% possession against them. Tuchel's issue was they had more shots, more chances, should have done better. Well, we had 18 shots to their 11. We had six on target to their five. Um, you know, we had an even number of corners pretty much. Um, overall, in statistical terms, uh, it bears out how the game was, really, that we were fantastic, we played well. 
I've got to say, first of all, we mentioned the lineup during the, the match day special, but just, just to re recap on that, um, we started with Sanchez in goal. We had Veltman, Byrne and Kukurea as a, effectively a back three with Lamptey further forwards and March further forwards in wing-back roles. Lalana and Basuma with a central mid, with Modra playing a bit further forward. And then you've got McAllister playing again in the 10 role, as well as literally the 10 shirt, and Morpe up top. Um, we made use of our substitutions in due course. Um, Lamptey was replaced by Mwepu on 66 minutes. Moda replaced by Alzate on 88. In between which, McAllister came off for Danny Welbeck on 80. The only booking uh, for us was Bissouma, uh, who of course has already served a one-match ban for a five-card accumulation. He's now on to six. Um, we got through and won the game without him. However... He was outstanding in this game, and I think he was a telling difference. The fact that we had him back for this match proved to be excellent. People were saying before the game, maybe it's better if the Brentford game gets postponed, then Basuma is available for Chelsea. Well, um, I'm not sure about that. We got, we got by against Brentford anyway, and then Basuma was instrumental, amongst others, in us having a great performance and getting a great result. Um, look at the team. I mean, Sanchez did well. Veltman did fine, Byrne did fine. They look quite solid, actually. They're playing well at the back there together. Um, Lamptey probably didn't have a lot going on there. They had to move Rhys James across to left-back to negate the danger that um, was posed by Lamptey. So that was interesting to start with. Um, in terms of the performances, though, Kukurea on the other side, I thought was absolutely outstanding. Getting forward plenty, causing a threat, linking up well with Solly March on that side. Uh, when he was involved in the game, um, and really, we yeah, we posed a threat down that side there, but Kukurea was also excellent in his defending. He was tracking back, he was making up ground, he was he was cutting off angles, slowing down some attacks. His reading of the game is just so good. Several times in this match alone, let alone other games I've seen this season, you look at him, you can see a possible danger. It's one of those things as a fan standing or sitting in the stadium, you can see what might be about to happen and you think that nothing's going to be done about it. And then up pops Mark Kukurea and he's there, you know. He's, he drinks Australia, he eats paella, his hair's effing massive. It really is. But I tell you what, above all of that, his football's pretty good too. His reading of the game was excellent and it really was worn out there. He negated so many possible dangerous attacks. He snuffed them out and he was a tantamount part to us getting this result. Solly, I thought, grew into the game. Um, he became more of an attacking threat as the game wore on. Certainly, he was better in the second half. He was getting a few first-time crosses in, um, some of which were threatening, um, others maybe not so. But he was getting on the ball, getting out the players driving. He was doing some link-up plays and coming back inside. He was involved in some quick short corners that was interestingly being taken. We were trying to take advantage of that, given our, shall we say, not so strong prowess in corner taking being a threat um, quite nice to see us keeping the tempo up in that second half particularly and amongst other things taking quick corners because I think that really benefited us um, Basuma I've mentioned was outstanding in the middle Adam Lalana as well in the middle was excellent second game in a row he's been the captain for those two games and Roger from our friends at Seagulls over London who's chairman of Seagulls over London um, made a very pertinent point no one else I'd heard mention which was that Lalana being given that captaincy seems to have um, invigorated himself but also really driven the team on they looked more motivated they looked more tempo driven they looked more I wouldn't say hungry for it may, may not be the right word but they looked they looked that extra five or ten percent sharper and more up for it and that was a telling difference in this game Lalana did manage to get a shot on target I understand and he had another shot which some have criticised for going over the bar, but I, I think it, it was coming at him pretty quickly. He had to have a snapshot at it. Not so, I'm not so critical of that, to be honest. However, he had a good game. He was on. He was proactive. He was he was key in a midfield battle that was key to the outcome of this contest because I think we matched Chelsea. Chelsea have a strong midfield. Look who they've got. They've got the likes of Jorginho, who he's he won the European Cup and the European Championship this year. He's arguably Player of the Year. Um, he should be higher up the Ballon d'Or ratings than, uh, along with Salah than uh, Messi this year, to be honest. Um, those two and Lewandowski are all, have all had better years than Messi. Um, how the hell Salah finished seventh, I don't know. But that's a digression. The point is, Jorginho is a great midfielder. 
he was in the middle with Kovacic. And they've, and they've got players like Pulisic and you've got um, James and you've got Mount and Hudson-Odoi surrounding them to, to feed off, to link up with. That is a really daunting midfield. Tuchel can talk about having problems, but yeah, maybe he's playing players earlier than he'd like to. Um, but whatever way around, that is a strong team they had out. And we managed to hold our own. We kept in the game after that early goal concession to Lukaku. We stayed in it. and We looked comfortably staying in it. And into that second half, we grew and grew, got better and better. And in the end, I think, dominated the game. And it's in that second half that we got the balance of percentages and those shots and those shots on target, which made the stats look so good. It was a thoroughly deserved win. Uh, not win. <laughs> it feels like a win. Thoroughly deserved draw, I should say. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted with the way we've responded to this elongated run of games without a win. We've now gone back. Okay, we only drew this batch, but that's like a win. Um, and prior to that, we had the Brentford game, which we did win. That is an upturn in results, in my opinion, for both of those games. And that bodes well going into the new year, which, of course, as we will discuss a little bit later on with the preview of the Everton game, comes thick and fast. Um, we've got the Everton match on the 2nd of January and after the FA Cup, a number of other games, including, of course, somewhere along the line, the Man United and Spurs games to fit in, which were postponed Due, uh, or over the winter period due to COVID issues. So talking of the gold itself for the Albion, it came just into injury time. It came after a period pretty much on the three-quarter way mark where um, Conte came on as a substitute, um, literally to shore up the, the match. They were 1-0 up. They weren't getting any further ahead. They were getting nervous. Thomas Tuchel was looking incredibly animated on the touchline. He was flailing his arms around. He was puffed up more than his puff jacket was making him do. He was looking nervous, tense. He was looking irritated. And I think Conte, in the end, was, was a substitution to try and um, firm up the midfield to stop the threat. Because they were letting us get at them, basically. I think they, unlike Liverpool and unlike Manchester City, who are relentless in their tempo, there's something a little bit more laid back about the way Chelsea uh, try to dominate games, if that makes sense. And there is a little bit more opportunity in midfield, and that's what had been happening. So Conte coming on was clearly to, to boss matters. He did improve them when he came on, but not enough to stop the tide from turning, which was already turning. And when we scored that goal, it came courtesy of our man Danny Welbeck a minute into injury time. And it came from an assist by, of course, Mark Kukurea, who I think, I think just edges it as man of the match for me in this game. Um, as many others you could call, Basuma being one of them for sure. Um, but anyway, Kukurea's cross, it was a hung cross, maybe the sort of cross you think, that's not where we normally get our goals from. It, it fell for Danny Welbeck. He still had a lot to do. He was midway inside the penalty area. He had to twist his head to get the power, the requisite power on it, and to get the direction. And it was a great direction towards the corner of the goal. Beat the goalkeeper. It was a fantastic header and a great return for Danny. I mean, he'd only come on, don't forget, um, about 11 minutes before that. Um, I think it was the 80th minute. And, you know, his impact was, well, you can't say immediate, but it was, it was pretty telling from straight off. And... His touches, his little movements, classy, same as with the game against Brentford. The difference this time, of course, he had an opportunity, and when he had that opportunity, he took it. And we were delighted, <laughs> to say the least. You would have heard the audio at the match day special. Managed to catch it, just switched the recording back on as the cross was coming in and caught the goal being scored. Um, jubilation, limbs is the expression. Limbs were flying everywhere. Um, Somebody apparently we know had a dislocated finger in the crowd. Um, our friend that we chatted to on the pod on the match day special, Simon. There's a video of him um, with his mates um, going absolutely mad. Simon with a ungodly screaming noise actually, which was uh, which was quite entertaining uh, when catching that later on after the match. Um, but all in all, it was a, it was a great goal, perfect timing. Yet again, as I said on the match day special, we've got a late equaliser for one in London for two. <laughs> for the third time, is it? Fourth time? Palace, um, West Ham and now Chelsea. And we've also had a late winner away at Brentford. We've had other late goals scored, namely Southampton away being one notable example. 
we keep doing that. We, we have got a fighting spirit in this team, which is absolutely superb. I'm so proud of them. They never stop. It's showing their fitness and it's showing their mental strength and their ability to continue to focus throughout a match, well into injury time, in the case of one match we could mention, um, Southampton. But, you know, this is just into injury time, but, you know, we play for the whole 90-plus whatever. And, again, it, we've proved a real mental strength here that is a, a very, very impressive and exciting attribute, to be honest, because that's going to get us a lot more points than we'd other, otherwise have. I mean, do we call it Fergie time um, part two? You know, is it, is it Graham time? Is it, um, I don't know, Albion time, Brighton time? You call it something maybe, but we, we're making this a real phenomenon <laughs> that's growing and growing, and I don't mind how many times we do that. I would like to win some more of the games with late winners rather than get late equalisers, but nonetheless, I'll take it, and especially against teams like Chelsea, who, by the way, had lined up, just for reference, with Mendy in goal. They had Azpilicueta, Christensen and Rudiger starting in their back line, with Pulisic and James as the wider um, attacking fullbacks, uh, Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield, Mount and Hudson-Odoi ahead of them, and Lukaku as the sole striker. Incidentally, today, as I recall, this New Year's Eve, um, which is Friday, a um, couple of days after the match, there's reports coming out that um, Lukaku has been speaking to Sky Italia and he has said there that he loves Inter and would love to return to Inter. He also went on to say in some form or other that he was, hasn't been happy with Chelsea, with the way things are going there, the way things have been run football-wise in terms of in relation to his role within the club. And he seems unsettled. That's not gone down well with Thomas Tuchel either. Um, he was quite diplomatic with his tone in his press conference, but clearly uh, that's not very helpful for them. But who cares? We're not worried about Chelsea. Um, most of the media are, though. I have read and heard, either first or second hand, with intense irritation, that it's just been the Chelsea show from start to finish. Talk sport, apparently, not that I'm surprised, completely and utterly overwhelmingly obsessed with the whole Chelsea angle on matters. I know the general media, BBC are guilty of this as well, have all done similar. Um, let's just not just focus on Chelsea, poor old Chelsea with their hard schedule and yeah, having players that aren't ready that needed to be rotated out. Um, they had a couple of people went off injured there, obviously, in the game, James and Christensen, um, and that might be due to fatigues, muscles and whatever. Well, why have we not got the same and we either have had to suffer the same or we've rotated out some of our best players like Webster, who sat the game out for that reason, we understand, in order to, um, well, weaken the team, but to allow those players to still be OK for the next match. So either Tuchel needs to do what we did and just take a hit on that or he needs to suck it up because we've had to do the same. We're all in the same boat. I don't know what, what his complaint is really on that matter. But anyway, we move on. And next up, it's Everton away on January the 2nd. We'll be previewing that in a moment. But first of all, just wanted to reflect on a rather tumultuous se season, really. Well, for a tumultuous calendar year. It's been a year that has continued to be plagued by COVID. Lots of disruption to fixture lists. The, um, the season's a little bit out of skew. Unfortunately, a lot of people have come down with it. The new variant that broke out in the latter part of the year, Omicron, has caused mayhem. It's really disrupted things, um, both in general life, but in football in particular. And from the footballing point of view, we're hoping that this is the second of two bad years with a much better year to look forward to in 2022, which we are about to move in. And I do at this time of year like to reflect on those we've lost. There's been quite a few. A lot of these are football, not all of them. Um, but, well, Liverpool, of course, are synonymous with You'll Never Walk Alone, a song sung by a scouser, Jerry Marsden, from Jerry and the Pacemakers. And he was pretty much the first one to go this year, in 2021. He was followed soon after by legendary Manchester City footballer Colin Bell, um, Michael Apted, the filmmaker, Phil Spector, the music producer, um, Larry King, the US broadcaster, Peter Swan, ex-Sheffield Wednesday and England player, Captain Tom Moore, synonymous for all of lots of positive reasons in the earlier part of the pandemic era for his uh, walking to raise charity and awareness. Christopher Plummer, the actor. Mary Wilson from The Supremes. Di Davis, the legendary Welsh goalkeeper and legend. Chick Corea, the musician. Ronald Pickup, an excellent British actor. Johnny Briggs, actor. Mike Baldwin from Coronation Street, etc. 
Glenn Roder, all too young, died, unfortunately, I think a brain tumour, I think. Um, player and manager, of course, many will know him as West Ham's manager, Newcastle's manager, etc. And then we moved on to some real legends um, that, that passed. Ian St John, legendary footballer. We then had Bunny Whaler, last surviving member of the Whalers from Bob Marley's band. Murray Walker, legendary sports commentator. The boxer, middleweight boxer Marvin Hagler. Trevor Peacock, the vicar of Dibley actor. Yafat Koto, another great actor. Peter Lorimer, legendary Leeds footballer. George Shagai, actor. Frank Worthington, footballer who, of course, once played for the Albion. Um, there was a tragedy of Lee Collins, who was a 32-year-old, at the time active, Yeovil town player and indeed captain. He went all too soon. That's a tragedy. I believe that was cancer, but it's a horrible time for, for someone to lose their life, really, at such a young age. Paul Ritter, the actor, great actor in loads of great stuff, British actor, um, well-known as the dad in Friday Night Dinner, but he was, uh, he was great in a load of really good British dramas on TV. Prince Philip was next to go, of course, the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, George Reynolds, the former Darlow open, uh, owner, the um, safe cracker. <laughs> um, Helen McCrory, actor, who's in a load of great stuff, probably most recently known as Aunt Polly in Peaky Blinders. You had um, Michael Collins, the astronaut, um, one of the three astronauts on the moon landing uh, trip, uh, died at the age of 90. Olympia Dukakis. Alan McLaughlin, um, former Republic of Ireland and Pompey midfielder, died at the age of just 54. Eric Carle, the very hungry caterpillar author, died. There was George the Codfather. Now, he is the guy that set up the fish and chip shop in our local area and fantastic fish and chips up here in Enfield in North London. Lovely guy. He got to a grand old age. I think he was 86, but he's finally passed away. So rest in peace, George, as he was known. That's not actually his real name, but anyway... A lovely guy and a great fish and chip establishment. A real tradition. Um, anyway, moving on. Ned Beatty, the actor. And Jack Bertolini. This is another Albion one. He was a former favourite in his time. An old school right half, as he was described by some. Ken Craggs as well. Mullery's assistant in the mid-70s in Albion's rise to the glory years. Paul Mariner, another legendary player. Ipswich, England, etc. The actor Jean-Paul Belmondo, French film star. Jackie Mason, the Jewish-American comedian. Eunice Stubbs, the actor. Um, Aunt Sally from Wurzel Gummidge, of course, and from In Sickness and In Health and various other things. Gerhard, or better known as Gert Muller. Now, this is one of the greatest footballers of all time. Um, Germany's greatest ever striker, in my opinion. He was the record goalscorer for Bundesliga goals in one season until this season when uh, Lewandowski has beaten it in the calendar year, I think it is. Uh, but what a player he was. One of the greatest strikers of all time, Gert Muller. Uh, Sean Locke, the comedian, of course, died at such a sad and young age. Don Everly from the Everly Brothers. Charlie Watts from the um, Stones drummer. Ted Dexter, former legendary England cricket captain. And speaking of legends, and we mentioned Ian St John earlier, his TV presenting partner in the later years, after his playing career was over, Jimmy Greaves also died, same as Ian St John. Jimmy Greaves, probably England's greatest ever striker, a legend for clubs including mainly Spurs and for England. He was in the World Cup winning squad of 66, although famously didn't play and Hurst played and got his hat-trick, but um, he was part of that squad and he was one of the greatest. His ratio of scoring, by the way, I think is about the best in English history, although Danny Welbeck scores quite a few for not many appearances, so who knows, I'll have to look into that. Anyway, John Chalice, who played, of course, Boise in Only Fools and Horses. Roger Hunt, another huge legend of football. Liverpool's, one of Liverpool's all-time greatest goal scorers. Uh, Bernard Tappy, the former Marseille football owner. A very colourful character, but um, very passionate about his football. And along similar lines, Trevor Hemmings, former Preston North End long-term owner and chairman. Also a big name in horse racing. He died very recently. Colin Powell, the former US Secretary of State, Walter Smith, former Rangers manager, Glasgow Rangers manager that is, um, Gerald Sinstad, former sports commentator, mainly known I think for the Midlands and into the North, but um, he did make his name later in later years on Match of the Day as one of the summarisers, um, a great name, a great voice, a sad loss. Ray Flowers, Wolves legend and World Cup 66 squad member, 
David Lacey, football journalist, a legend, um, mainly in the written word. Um, a lot of time, I think, for The Guardian, I think it was, or The Independent, I can't remember which, maybe both. He died at the grand old age of 93. And Sir Frank Williams, uh, the Williams racing driver. Uh, we also apparently lost um, Doug Mountjoy, the snooker player as well, and most recently the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So a lot of people lost there, and amongst them many, many football legends. So for the Albion, as a summary of the season, a successful end to the campaign. We steered ourselves comfortably away from trouble in the end. And then with this season, we got off to a flying start with some fantastic early season results. Not least a starting win of two games in a row. Um, first time we've won two games at the beginning of a Premier League or top flight season ever, which was great. We were flying. Things then levelled out somewhat, to say the least as we went on a run of 11 games without a win, although we drew most of those games, that kept our heads nicely above water. We just dropped into the bottom half of the table for the first time, uh, which was just for a week or two, including one postponement causing that. And we're now back into the top half in 10th. It's been a good season overall for the Albion. We've made some good signings. We've introduced some new players, either through that means or through the youth team, into the first team who have made a really good splash. Players have stepped up. Um, Tarek Lamptey has come back after his long-term injury. Adam Webster's had his injury troubles, but looks to be coming back now. Danny Welbeck may have sorted his out as well after an operation. But there's some great players out there. McAllister is finally looking like he's the part for us. Um, I've always thought he was going to be, and now he's looking it. I think Modder's getting better all the time. I think other players like Kukurea have been revelations. Great signing. He's taken to it, to it like a duck to water. There's been no integration period needed. He's pretty much hit the ground running. He's been brilliant. And on top of that, we've seen the computer programmed into the Albion as well. Um, Enoch and Wepu, great goal away at Liverpool, possibly goal of the season. Certainly for Albion, I think it probably just about is, ahead of maybe Morpay's goal against West Ham a few weeks ago. But he's been a great addition as well. He started well and he's looking a really good addition to the team. And despite lots of criticism of him during that barren run without a win, Neil Morpé is already up and onto seven goals for the season. His first season was successful. He had 10 goals. His second one, he scored eight goals and there was a bit more criticism of him. Well, this year, despite some more criticism, he's already got seven and we have one more game to go before we've reached the halfway point in our season. So... I would say Neil Morpé has been a success this season as well. Some other players aside as well, some good promising youngsters coming through the ranks and there's been some really good successful loan spells, not least, um, particularly in recent weeks, the Kadra and Van Hecker show at Blackburn has been going really well. Ryan Longman's been settling in well in League One and things generally going pretty well overall. In fact, Longman's at Hull, isn't he, in the Championship? Apologies. Um, but anyway, things on the up. So, now it's time to look forward to the final game in what is technically the first half of our season, thanks to postponements, i.e. the 19th game out of 38. It's Everton away, it's Goodison Park. It's not the happiest of hunting grounds, is it? If you look at the head-to-head record in general, we have only played them 20 times. This is largely due to the fact that they are overwhelmingly always in the top flight, barring a few small numbers of seasons. And we've only had, well, this is our ninth season ever in the top flight. So, including any cup games, we've only played them 20 times. We have won four, and we've drawn another six. Not bad. We've lost ten. We started our first ever season, um, February the 1st, 1913. We had a goalless draw at the Goldstone in the FA Cup. We lost the replay, 1-0. We then had our first win, again it was in the FA Cup, in February 1924, a and no less than 5-2 win over Everton. This was in 1924 at the Goldstone ground. Not bad. We then had a succession of, well, mainly losses and uh, draws. And we did win again in 1982 during our first spell in the top flight, again at the Goldstone. And we did manage to draw the return game, actually. Um, in fact, no, that's the following season. Oh, no, both that season and the following season, we got draws, one all and two all, respectively. Um, but then it was another mixture of losses and defeats until we got back into the top flight and we actually managed, due to there being two home games in a row, 
the, the second of the two meetings in the 17, sorry, in the 1819 season and the first of the two meetings in the 1920 season. We had two home games in a row against Everton. We won 1-0 and then 3-2. So we have managed back-to-backs against them. But the one thing we've not done is had any luck at all at Goodison Park. I mean, we've scored goals there, unlike Chelsea prior to this week. We had actually an impressive 4-3 match. It was a 4-3 defeat, but what a game. In December 1980, I wasn't at that game, but this was a top-flight encounter at Goodison. That sounded like one to go to. But no victory for us regardless. And since we've come back to the top flight, our results at Goodison Park, 10th of March 2018, we lost 2-0. On the 3rd of November 2018, as part of the next season, we lost 3-1. Then we had, of course... The uh, January 11th, 2020 game, a 1-0 defeat there. And then on the 3rd of October uh, last year, 2020, we lost 4-2. Again, a more colourful and entertaining game, but still no cigar. Well, will we be smoking cigars after this match? I'm not so sure. Bogey teams are bogey teams, but those things do get broken. And we've managed to get through a few barriers in recent years. Um, we've got our first points against Chelsea. We've now got our first goal away to Chelsea. We finally cracked it against the what I consider the big two, Liverpool and Manchester City. We've beaten both of those sides. City at home from in a comeback from um, losing position game. And Liverpool away from home at Anfield, which is brilliant. So the next one on the list is Everton. Can we get that win? I think we can. I'm loath to predict it because every time I predict something, I get it wrong. I went for a 2-1 defeat at Chelsea. I think we could win at Everton. Everton, I think, have had some postponements. There's been a disruption to their schedule. They're not on great form. And we've done well against Rafa Benitez's teams. When Newcastle have played a stifling, unremarkable, but fairly solid kind of game under, uh, under Rafa, um, we've still managed to get 3-0 wins against them in the past. Um, and I think we've scraped wins against them when he was in charge. 1-0, was it? I think at St James's, amongst other things, at a comfortable home win at some point as well. So I think we can get the better of them. I'm going to go for a 3-1 away win with more pay among the scorers. So 3-1 to the Albion, I reckon. But don't quote me on that. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed the match day special. Hope you've enjoyed the analysis and the preview for the Everton game and our reflections on 2021, which is now as good as over. So we wish all of our listeners a happy 2022. And let's have those fingers crossed for three points at Goodison. Until the next time, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.